Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com How offended can you claim to be over a joke about this? Come on, grow up. That creates other people from the other side going, yeah, grow up, you dickhead, and you go, hang on, I wasn't trying to get your support for this, you're a dickhead anyway. And it, and it just becomes dickheads just jumping in and just getting outraged. That is stand-up comedian Luke Heggie. And this is episode 228 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. And welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Osher. Hi. This is my show. Uh, I'm sometimes on the telly, counting roses, sometimes at the moment under palm trees, uh, coconut farms to be exact. But each week for the last 227 weeks here on this show, I aim to have an authentic conversation that you get to be a part of with someone that you may know or someone that you may not know. But each week... I guarantee you that you'll go, yeah, you know what? I never thought about it that way before. The idea is that, yeah, we get some authenticity in our weeks and we have a bit of a chat. We may learn something. Yeah, we get to be a part of it. That's basically it. Uh, today's show is with stand-up comedian Luke Heggie. He is playing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival at the moment. Then he's on tour around the country. Uh, you can get tickets to his brand new show, Tip Rat, at lukeheggie.com, L-U-K-E-H-E-G-G-I-E. Dot com. More about Luke in just a moment. Uh, welcome to the show. And while we're at, while we're here, uh, even though it's Easter Monday, we're doing it. And uh, a big thank you very much to Andy Marr, my fantastic producer, for making the show happen on Easter weekend. Right on, Andy. Thank you, buddy. Um, I'm a little confused. I know I, I should know the answer to this question. I did go to schools that had crucifixes on the walls. I could never understand why Jesus dies on a different day each year, but he's always born on the same one each year. It's a bit confusing. Something about the crossover from paganism to Christianity 
Helen of Constantine, that sort of thing. That might be the answer to the question. I don't know. I'd love it if you do know. Uh, <laughs> fascinating to know. I hope you're well and wonderful. I hope your Easter weekend is going great. If you're listening overseas, Australia is mad for Easter, not because we love the Lord. No, but we get Friday and Monday off. It's a four-day weekend, and it's right at the end of summer, so people just go bonkers. They're just like, this is the last bit of summer. Let's go. And they go camping, and they go surfing, and they go fishing, and they generally try and squeeze the last little last bits of juicy warm weather out of the sky before the winter sets in uh, in the southern parts of the country at least. Big thank you very much for all the photographs and the birthday wishes that you sent me through this week. Uh, some fantastic photos coming through from people on the road, people traveling. Uh, one brilliant one came through from Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia is more than just Jakarta, Jakarta and Bali. It's an extraordinarily massive country. <laughs> and um, uh, someone's listening as they as they wander around in the incredible fantastic photo of a marketplace um, in the main square of a town. Just all the colours and the vibrance and the you can almost smell the spices out of the photo. It was brilliant. Uh, so yeah. Listening, uh, Richie is the bloke's name, walking around, listening to the show with Michael Castle, looking at all the food, fantastic. Another great pic someone sent me there on honeymoon in Thailand, uh, listening from on a ferry from a small island to a smaller island, and their husband was having a nap, so they were listening to the show, and there was this fantastic picture out on the road. But whatever you're doing, wherever you are, it's great. Photos of bushwalks, photos of people doing their dishes. I listen to podcasts while I'm doing the dishes, just so you know, every evening as I clean up the kitchen. And when I do get the chance to clean up the kitchen, that's when that's when I listen. Uh, but, yeah, it's always great. Send Osher email at gmail.com is uh, where I am. It's, ah, it's just a fun thing to do. Send me a photo of where you're listening. A big thank you very much to all the love around the Logies. It's very silly. It's a television competition. It's a popularity contest. But, hey, look, you know, who doesn't want a little statue to put on their desk? I've been out for a while now. I believe the voting is closed now, but after 20 years in the game, yeah, I wouldn't hurt to have one. Might be fun. It also might be fun just to see what a bit of, you know, grassroots motivation can do to get people to vote. I don't have Steve Britton over there on Channel 9 going, he's an Australian TV icon, vote now. I don't have him. I've just got me on Instagram. So, you know, if if you did vote, thanks heaps. That'd be ace. Um... As I said, you can always email me, send email at gmail.com. I do read all of them, and I try to write back to everybody. So um, big thank you to everyone that's shared their check-in protocol. I've been talking a bit about checking in uh, this last few weeks. The, to check in is basically where you clear your head out of all the stuff that's roaming around in it, whether it be with somebody else or just on a piece of paper. Just get the rubbish out of the way so you can get on with your day. And um, a big uh, thing for me happened this week around that, actually, listening to Rich Roll's podcast with Susan David. I picked up her book, Emotional Agility, and I'm happy to have read that in her book. She talks about research that, because at the moment, as you know, I've been talking about, I, I have a routine where every morning I wake up just a little bit early so I can sit down and write for 20 minutes. I write for 20 minutes in the morning. And um, it's been scientifically proven that writing for 20 minutes in the morning has positive outcomes when it comes to mood, but also general health and well-being. So who doesn't love a bit of science? Unless you're a climate change denier. But who doesn't love a bit of science? Um, so at the moment, that's what I'm doing. I just sit in the morning. I write uh, just for 20 minutes. I empty the, the worries and fears out on a page. And then, and then when they're down there, I look at them and... Um, there's a there's another great book that I read um, when I was getting ready to go to business school in uh, at Think in Amsterdam. Um, guy by the name of Benjamin Zander, extraordinary book called The Art of Possibility. Uh, but he has this fantastic reframing question, two query framing questions in that book, uh, and they are: What assumption am I making? 
that I'm not aware I'm making that gives me what I see. And the other one, which moves you forward, is what might I now invent that I haven't yet invented that would give me other choices? So we'll look at all the fears and malarkey that's written down there and anything that I can't kind of go through my, you know, if you've ever done CBT, you can kind of see some, you know, thinking distortions in there. But if, if there's something else there, I run it through those two filters and those two questions are very helpful in coming up with other ways to look at an issue that's been troubling me. Really helpful stuff. Something about, I remember a shrink once told me that, there's something about having a pen or pencil in your hand and putting it on paper. That there's something about the physicality of using your, your arm, your forearm, your hand, your wrist to actually write the words down helps change the energy and helps feel, let the brain feel the thought has been processed. But yeah, I, what's the other thing I do? Oh, yeah, I write down a big challenge to the constant triggers of my anxiety and OCD. Uh, every morning, I write a different one down. And it's like we talked about last week um, with Dr. Elise Bailey, uh, the week before, actually. Um, it's just reps at the gym, isn't it? It doesn't happen immediately, but every day, repeated, it builds up in, in strength, in increments. And before you know it, there's a f- fair whack of, of fortitude there. Um, if I fill a page of writing, I can poke my finger through that page and the challenge is on that page pretty easily, all right? But if two pages, three pages... Maybe a bit of a run-up, I could do it. But once I get to 5, 10, 15 days in a row, right? You see where I'm going with this. You put all those pages together, the challenges to the shitty thinking are starting to build up. And it would take a mighty sharp fingernail or the Bruce Lee one-inch punch to get through it. So that's what I'm doing. Um, just trying to having some regularity. And like I said, it's only 20 minutes. Setting alive 20 minutes early and do it. Now... Because at the moment, I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm living life off meds at the moment and I'm trying to see what other disciplines I can put into my life and other routines I can put in my life that can help me get through life without the medication in my life. And that's always going to be an option. I want to guarantee you that. It's always an option. But how can I live and not be a punish to my wife and stepdaughter and people I work with? What are things that I can do? What are th- responsibility that I can take in managing my own head? to make sure that, you know, I'm okay. Uh, But not only that, how can I excel? How can I not just survive? How can I thrive? And so I'm on a bit of a quest at the moment. There's a few different things I'm doing. I'm trying to see how a more disciplined approach to physical fitness can translate into mental fitness. So I'm trying to work out. I'm working out every day. Um, And now I've even, I've found an old lighting stand that I had and I've rigged like a way for to put my laptop up. Uh, So when I'm on my bike trainer, um, I can work and write while I ride. So I'm managing to ride every day as well, which is great. And so that's good. So between going to the gym and getting on the bike and the longhand riding first thing in the morning, it's all, it's all a part of that that overall quest, a part of actively shifting the habitual ways of being and thinking that have kind of led me into a bit of darkness in the past. And I'm trying to deliberately live a little more. And I'm on a mission, my friends consistently pushing in one direction with a force focused on on wellness and being a, a okay person to be around because it's 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 okay if you're if you're okay but if, if people don't like being around you well, that's another story so you've got to got to work on that i've got to work on that at least it is starting to work slowly i am noticing that i can jump on my habitual reactions pretty quickly like it'll still come out of my mouth and i'll go oh hang on Look, I'm sorry that came from a place of fear. Uh, I have a bit of a problem with this and there's some insecurity there or some worthlessness there and that's where that came from. Uh, I can understand that may have come across like that. What what I really you know, see the situation is this, this, that, that. So 
it still comes out of my mouth, but hopefully I'm able to jump on it a bit quicker. And hopefully soon it won't come out of my mouth at all. Still early days. It's a work in progress. But even so, I can feel shifts happen slowly. The analogy is an old and well-worn one, but it works. An ocean liner leaving Sydney only needs to shift one degree to the left each day, and you'll end up in Japan instead of Fiji. <laughs> right? Small shifts. Small shifts. That's what it's all about. Small shifts. But I know I'm not alone in having a bit of a routine in the morning. I'd love to know yours. What's the, what's the gym you use for your head? Um, I, I'm all ears. Uh, send us your email at gmail.com. I'd love to know what you, what you do. Um, so now that you know what's happening in my week and we are feeling good and comfortable and trusting in each other and everything's good, you know where I'm coming from this week, let's talk about my guest today. Uh, my guest today is Luke Heggie. He's a comedian from Sydney, Australia. I've known Luke since we were eight. Uh, yeah, we grew up about 800 metres from each other, maybe a kilometre from each other. And um, growing up with Luke and, and then watching his career, his travels around the world and then his career uh, flourish has been one of the real pleasures, one of the real pleasures of my life. Uh, a few years ago, on New Year's Day, he made a choice. He said, you know what? I'm going to give stand-up comedy a go. Less than a month later, he'd won his heat in the uh, Triple J high-profile, Triple J national raw comedy competition. Soon after that, went on the state final. Soon after that, won the whole damn thing. Since then, Luke has worked tirelessly to hone his writing, his delivery, his 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 work, and it's all paying off. He he earns regularly. He earns four or five star reviews. He sells out shows all over the country, all over the world. He regularly tours internationally. He's launching his new show for 2018. It's called Tip Rat. You, you might have seen it already in Brisbane. Um, he's playing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and then he tours around the country, Sydney and Perth, I believe. You can get tickets to the shows, lukeheggie.com, L-U-K-E-H-E-G-G-I-E.com. Talking with Luke is always wonderful. Uh, I'm very grateful I get to talk to Luke all the time. Usually it's on the back of small folding bicycles as we ride around the uh, southeastern suburbs of Sydney looking for cafes to unfold a travel scrabble set and play some tiles uh, over a cup of coffee uh, on the odd morning off that we both have together. But today you're able to hear one of these conversations that he and I normally have, and I'm, I couldn't be more happy about it. Like I said, Luke regularly gets four- and five-star reviews for his shows. I'd encourage you to go and see why. Now, the interesting thing to preface this, the thing about talking to comedians, the conversations, talking to a comedian and going to see a comedy show are two very different things because, as Luke will describe, uh, a one-hour comedy show is meticulously written. It might sound off the cuff, but it's meticulously written to provide his audience with a particular uh, reaction. The precise delivery and thoughts and ideas are designed to make you react in a certain way. Uh, but this conversation with Luke, it's more of a chance to get to know the man that makes up uh, the man on stage. And pretty quickly, you'll get a reason why um, he's selling out shows all over the country, and rightly so. Please enjoy this conversation with Luke Heggie. Luke Heggie, back on the podcast. What is this? It's your third time, I think. Is it? Yeah, I think so. That's exciting. It's a three-piece. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nine in the morning. It's a Tuesday. Is uh, it? Oh, yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, 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 it's Tuesday. Bloody showbiz life. Don't know what that is. (laughs) Well, I was talking about this to someone the other day um, about who watches the 6 o'clock news, all right? Yeah. People who watch the 6 o'clock news are people who work a job that allows them to watch the 6 o'clock news. Which are not many people anymore. 
I assume it's just on in retirement homes, <laughs> just before bed. <laughs> After dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you anyone who watches that. Yeah. Who's home in time for six, even if they've got a job? Exactly. It doesn't happen. No. Uh, but because oh, we when were we? I can't remember where we were. The, the six o'clock news came on. Oh, no, sorry. I was at the gym. at the. I did a thing on the weekend in Melbourne, so I was in a hotel, right? And um, the, um, the news was on. And you'd think the fucking world was ending. Oh, yeah? Bad news. All bad news. All just on loop. Yeah. (laughs) Like the same four stories about cataclysm, fire, death, economic peril, cataclysm, fire, death, economic peril, sexism, cataclysm. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) You do get the odd bit of light entertainment in there with a a stupidly misspelt name. Someone who's done something stupid or gone missing or whatever, whatever they do. Errors. Uh, you are you are on the cusp of the the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Yep. How many years is this for you now? It's a number, isn't this it? This is the seventh. Uh, this is my seventh solo show. Seventh solo. I went show. for a couple of years before that <clears throat> as it's well. Extraordinary. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot. How long ago do you start writing that? Take us through. Uh, I start as soon as it, like about June. I start. And I finish about December. And then I'll just work on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound a lot to the layman, an hour of talking, but it's heaps. Yeah? Just to, yeah, you're not just talking. Well, some dickheads are, but if you're trying to ram, if you're trying to put some actual jokes in there, it's a lot of work. You can't just sell, you can't just pack out the main room, a thousand seats a night with crowd work? No, no. That's, uh, the pros, the pros can do that. <laughs> not myself. No. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to pay you know 110 bucks to watch a guy go. Hey, where are you from? Wollongong. <laughs> a lot of O's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not my cup of tea either. But you'd be. I think you'd be surprised how effective that is. Yeah. Compared to written jokes, right? It goes superbly. Mainly because of the selfishness of people <laughs> who want to make something about them. <laughs> <laughs> and also, there's a sort of subconscious factor where people think, oh, this is off the cuff. And you go, two nights in a row, and the guy has managed to find someone from Wollongong. So, you know, almost as if impro is not. Ah, right. But uh, anyway, I'm not here to diss. Oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about no. my particular favours in comedy. But I'm, uh, why, I mean, we might have talked about this before, but Stephen Wright famously toured for 20 years on the same 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, why do you keep writing a new one every year? Uh, well, I'd be, I'd be, I'd go spare. Can you imagine saying the same 45 minutes every night? It'd be awful. While you're lying in your king-size <laughs> bed. Uh, well, yeah. You'd be driven to by a limo. Yeah, that'd be fine. But pre, pre-YouTube, you could probably do that. Oh, right, yeah. No way you could do that now with the internet. People have much shorter attention spans. They sort of demand... And I, I don't mind actually. I quite like writing. Yeah, but I couldn't. I couldn't stand the sound of myself after about. I do about fifty or sixty shows of my show throughout Australia, New Zealand, and that's enough. I record it, stop, start a new one. Yeah, yeah. When you are writing, is there a particular a method you have? This stuff just pop into your head. Do you write it down? Does it help help me understand yeah. how you keep it in there? Well, I, I, mobile phone's been good for this because I just write notes in that all the time. I'm rarely sending a text, but I look like I'm texting all the time, but it's just notes. Yeah. Some days you'll have 1,000 words of notes, other days zero. Middle of the night, got to write it down straight away. 
It's never coming back. All right. Once you you think, oh, I remember that in the morning, that's a perler. Nah, bullshit, gone. Yeah. So you've got to do it straight away. And uh-huh. and then I'll go through that once a week or so and write it out. And then when it comes to sort of December, I'll, I'll have it written. I'll have like uh, probably 8,000 words written and then just working on that. Going right. out to open mics probably twice a week myself for just doing free gigs, trying new five minutes every week or so for um, – probably four or five months of that, and then just compile it. So chopping up, say you've got this this hour and you go, oh, this part here, I wonder how that's going to go. I know what I'll do. I'll go and take it in front of a crowd and just yeah. run yeah, it on the absolutely. Play Yeah. I, my, one of my weaknesses, my many weaknesses, is segues. I just don't give a shit about segues, which would be fine if you're, if you're packing out big rooms. You just have a laugh, maybe have a drink. And then just start, and and there's a big round of applause, and you start your new topic. But if you're like me, you've got to just. It's quite jarring to mm. go from, you know, tennis to perverts to, you know, something else. It's it's weird. Right. So you got to find a way to couch that a bit. Uh huh. I don't know. I still haven't figured that out. <laughs> I guess you're right. It's an entirely different kind of performance when you have that bigger room when you've got that it's only really it's only three more seconds oh if that of of space yeah in between jokes a laugh and then an after chortle yeah chuck a little tag say the same joke the same way slightly different words (laughs) that's what my mom said (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uber drivers i got an uber here exactly yeah yeah right easy right right and um so when you're, because people may not may not realise, but um, you when you do go around the, uh, the the clubs to do your five minutes, you don't drive, do you? No, take the pushy. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but it's not just any pushy, is it? Oh no, no, no! It's foldy generally. Foldy. I have got two, but uh, yeah, I'll take the fold up. Tell me about take the folding in. bicycle. When did you first get a folding bicycle? Oh, about three years three years ago, I think. Man, it's been absolutely superb. You've got one. So I do. I, inspired by um, you and uh, my time in Amsterdam. Yeah, it's unreal. Oh, they're all over London and places like that. You don't see – I don't think I've seen maybe two or three in Sydney ever. But uh, it is a ridiculous-looking bike when you look like a clown, <laughs> tiny little wheels, but surprisingly smooth. And I ride, I ride to the airport, pack it up, chuck it on the plane. Get off the other end, ride to where I'm going. It's awesome. You you ride from Melbourne Airport? I've done that twice. That's a fair ride. You yeah. gotta you gotta have some time up your sleeve. But yeah, I have. Yeah. You find there's some sort of canal system. The first sort of ten minutes quite unpleasant out of Melbourne. Like any airport. Yeah. <laughs> really, really. You gotta go quick as you can yeah. across major five lane intersections. Yeah. But then once once you're through that, it's, it's generally you can find places to ride. It's good. So good. Yeah. Now that we're shooting this new Bachelor show, how can I be – I have cause to ride my folding push bike every day. Great. Because of where we park yep. and where we shoot. Oh, okay. So you chuck it in the boot, ride – yeah. Oh, it turns a half-hour walk into a five-minute ride. It's unreal. Oh, it's the best ever. <laughs> yeah. It turns any car space into a shotgun Yeah, shotgun spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> good. Put the paneers on the side – Actually got one right there. Oh, yeah, cool. I've done the unthinkable. I've left my lunchbox and I haven't rinsed it out. So I've got a nasty lunchbox from yesterday sitting in my paneer over there. You're like my kids. It's (laughs) disgusting. I don't know how they live with it. (laughs) (laughs) So 
So tell me, tell me more about like because Melbourne International Comedy Festival has been going for I don't know thirty years. 40 yes, years, thirty. Like Yep, massive. Tell me more about what it, what it's like to be in it because you've done you've done festivals all all over the world. Yeah, how much of your day is? I mean, is it like the Grinspoon documentary? Is it twenty three hours of waiting around? Is there a, a lot of hustle? Um, what happens? Oh, I I do as many shows as I can. There's heaps of blokes down there hustling, doing you know ten hours of comedy a day, packing in shows into pubs, you know, getting them out, getting a new show in. There's all sorts of variety shows. I'll do one or two late night shows a night. And probably an early show at six o'clock, just spots where you're doing bits and pieces and then sit around, do your own show. So it's kind of, yeah, from about 5 p.m. till midnight, I'd be working. So it's, it's you know, it's a fair bit. Yeah. And then, um, and then during the day, you get a bit of a rest. Yeah. Away from the family. Although my family come down for a week. They did last year. It was exhausting. Because <laughs> like, they don't give a shit that you're getting in at 2 a.m. They're up at seven doing kid stuff. All day, then they go home to bed and you go to work. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> How are they? How are the little ones? Are they yeah, good? good, real good. Yeah, yeah, kicking yeah. along. Yeah, fine. Oh, that's that's. Do they know what dad does for a living? Yeah, oh yeah, they've come a few times. They came last year to my full show. It was fun. Um, they came to the recording of it last year. Actually, it was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, they know what to do. Well, it's kind of weird though because. They're getting to a point where they're going to start understanding how much shit I'm giving them <laughs> while I'm on stage. And they're going to listen back to some old recordings and have some serious resentment, but not yet. Wait. Hopefully they'll have resentment while they sit in their, you know, in their private school. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully there's, there's a bit of that. When you uh, have you seen the, the the festival change over the years that you've been doing it? I don't know. I've, I've probably just become more accustomed to it. There's not the international side of things. It's for me the, the excitement's probably worn off that. Yeah. In the last seven years, uh, someone was saying, "Oh, this this person's who was yesterday." Someone said, "Oh, yeah, Robert Plant's in town," mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, "What would it take for me to get off my couch?" Yeah, right. Go and watch the lead singer of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Tonight. Fuck a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, real, a lot. Whereas 20 years ago, you would have been. I would have been like, that's it. I'm yeah, calling absolutely. in sick. Yeah. yeah. Let's, I've got 12 people coming with me. Yeah. Booked a hotel room upstairs for the yeah. after show. Fucking let's go. But it's all, yeah, it's also getting older. It's harder, yeah. to, harder to do. And that's why I'm. I'm amazed that people turn up to comedy shows. I can I can pull a small crowd. I'm surprised there's anyone there a lot of the time. Most people are already watching telly by the time you go on stage. So the fact that anyone's there is pretty good. And my crowd aren't young and good. Don't like them. But um, it's the people get off their couch and do stuff. It's great. Yeah. I got. I'm the same as you. I'd love to just sit down, do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busted at the end of the day. So, what you have a you have a more difficult time when you have a younger crowd. Uh, yeah, I mean the youth don't generally go make a conscious decision to go and see me, which is fine. They're, they're busy, sort of, I don't know, looking at phones, validating their opinions, etc. <laughs> um, <laughs> not being challenged. No, not at all. I, I mean, I, I don't consider myself to be an intellectual comic at all, and or on edge or any of that shit, just trying to have a good show 
and people with a bit more experience are more inclined to not get offended at the first little thing you say that might go down a road that they don't agree with. Yeah. That's, my, that's the thing I fucking hate the most is like people getting offended. I know everyone talks about this, but just that it's always, absolutely 100% of the time, a selfish reason that they're offended. Like they won't get offended at anything up until the point that you talk about the type of person that they might be. Whereas you could have said some heinous shit about other people, and I do, and they won't bat an eyelid until it's about them. And that's, I don't know, the youth are more inclined to do that. Right. And write blogs about it. <laughs> so, so, you know, they what, can stay away. Why, what, are you, what reaction are you hoping to get out of an audience by going to those places where you push those boundaries? Uh, I, I mean, I, I still essentially want people to laugh, and I'm, I'm not there to change anyone's mind. It's a ridiculous concept to think you can do that. I'm not a philosopher. Just sort of, I don't know. I, I, I've grown to care less about having just four out of 100 people really like something you're saying. I don't care now. I think, oh, well, those four are my people. The others can... I, I kind of, I've, I've spent a lot of time building up an audience and then you just sort of trim them off and get it down it's, it's like cutting a plant and then you you know you get the good ones and they'll bring a couple of people and they'll stay with you for a while and you know then you trim off the fuckwits who've turned up not knowing who they're going to see and hate you so yeah i don't know it's it's a weird it's a very weird concept because i don't have a media profile i don't get a big crowd just for no reason it's um it's been a hard slog to get them now i've got to try and keep them so, <laughs> Because you do have some comics who will go on a whole, you know, a whole riff about women or this ethnicity or that ethnicity. Yeah. And then like we have to we have to laugh about these things. If we don't laugh about them, everything's too serious. Yeah, it's a it's a I don't know. It's a bit of a knife edge to to try and make. You should be able to make jokes about anything, but it's it's hard to do with some topics, and people just shy away as soon as you even mention some buzzwords. But I suppose that's the challenge. Yeah. Make that funny. But then some things are just outdated, some concepts and and jokes. So I don't know, it's a tough one. And you're never gonna have like Melbourne's twenty five nights in a row. You're not gonna have twenty five good shows. Unless everyone already adores you and you just come out and bludge and go hi everyone and they're already laughing, thinking, Oh, that's so funny. Listen to the way he said hi. That was amazing. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> So if you're a working comic, you're not going to have 25 good nights. Yeah. What's the uh, intra-comic at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Luke? What's the, what's the intra-comic scene like? Is there, like, is it, is it like this is like everyone's doing each other's podcasts in the day or people getting together to write oh, shit yeah. together during the day? I say not so much writing. There's all, all that. Po- everyone's got a podcast now. Every dickhead's got a bloody podcast. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, it's almost as if there are no qualifications required to get one. <laughs> you just do it on your phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a fair bit of that. There's a lot of... I, I'm, I'm still amazed, and this is, again, coming late to the game, how lazy comedians are. Like, they literally sleep 12 hours a day, which is fucking insane to me. So there's not a lot of creative output going on. And for me, too, once my show's locked in, I just think, oh, I just memorise it and read over it once an afternoon, go and do it. So there's not a lot of writing going on on the fly for me or for, for many of them, I don't imagine. They're very lazy. <laughs> 
So when something as massive as I don't know, say the Australian cricket team cheating yeah. on a grand level, yeah. uh, are we going to see a fair bit of crowbarring of that kind of fresh yeah, material straight into the yeah, opening so. five minutes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, not from me, but yeah, absolutely. Like, things like that are a boon. Yeah. Sandpaper jokes. I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> I steer away from topical too, which for a few reasons, but mainly oh, one of them is that I try to record my show every year. So come about June, I try to record it. And this year I'm going to film it again. I generally did audio for a few years because I couldn't afford any filming, but this year I'm hoping to film it. But um, it just dates so quickly. And if you're like me, you don't film something and you know everyone's beating on your door to put it on their TV program or whatever. It's, you've got to shelve it for a year or two to try and get it out there. It's um, You've got sandpaper jokes, you're fucked. Yeah. So you're better off having stuff that's not so topical. It is an interesting time in our country, though, because we're faced with our national sporting shame at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But, I I mean, I, I think it's, it's a shit act, obviously, but it's also sport. Like the name sport indicates that it's not that important. Like it's, I know it's big news, and I care. I like sport. I love it. I love cricket. It's probably my favourite. But it's still sport. If these guys go away, there'll be others. It will take a while. Yeah, absolutely. It'll take a while for people to stop uh, calling. I mean, next time we. Oh, go that'll to, be never for them. Next time we go to India, boy, howdy. Oh yeah, but again, like there's nothing like unveiling a cheat, but. Maybe topping that would be unveiling a hypocrite. So these guys might want to be careful because they were, they were all up to their necks in it. Like every team's been doing this, just not quite as blatantly. Right. So, or the cameraman, I think, got a tip off or something. So, you know, there's no... Yeah, he had the shot. He had the shot lined up. Yeah. That that was... So I think they knew something was awry. But then without that on the go, nearly every match for the last fair while has had to be a fair bit of this. Yeah. So, you know... It's the, it's the contrivance their, that, that got them. Is it, their, is it their Lance Armstrong moment? Yeah, I don't know. It's certainly it's dominated the news for the last few days. Yeah. It? I do find it interesting watching the, watching the news, though, is that as a nation on both sides of the aisle, we seem to be just mortified that it's come to this. Yeah. Our yeah. national moral standing is no matter, you know, that what we're doing to refugees on, Absolutely. on Manus Island or, you know, denying people. But maybe you know, it takes something like this to be the catalyst for Australians to go, oh, hang on, we're not that cool. It's been a long time that we've all thought, oh, overseas, everyone loves us. It's bloody crocodiles and g'day, mate, and she'll be right. No, nah, people think we're pricks in a lot of ways. When I got to Amsterdam for that business school, I was the Dutch, as you know. They're just like, hey, how are you? You're fatter than you saw last time. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah, know, they just come yeah. straight out with it. You know, she's like, so what's wrong with this carbon tax? Why you change that around? Yeah. You had it. What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why, why, why you burn so much fossil fuel? I don't know what accent I'm doing. But like one of my friends, Claudia, like, like the first thing she said after I saw her and like I hadn't seen her for yeah. three months, the first thing she goes, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong? Did you see how much fossil fuels you guys burn for how many people you live yeah. there? What are I you mean, doing? It's, and it's the world will start taking no, more notice because we're not just dog on the surfboard anymore in world news or firing up an esky and making it into a vehicle. There's... Less cute things that Australia are being known for now. Yeah, more no. locking up people on foreign yeah. shores. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. And denying people medical care. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're South African white South African farmers. Well, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> get them in. Surely, when you talk about hypocrisy, surely, like, that sort of stuff's got to start. The blatant hypocrisy of that. It's yeah. It's like, it's just intense, man. I don't, but then again, I don't know if we have a robust enough media landscape to challenge it. It seems that even if you, you get up on the telly or the radio and you challenge some of these things that us as a nation are doing, I'm not even going to say our government, I don't want to absent myself from yeah. I'm a part of this, I live here, I pay taxes, my money is complicit in making this shit happen. Yeah. How can you call it out without then having someone just go, oh, yeah, well, that's the bias of the fucking yeah. fucking fuck. It's a tough one. Maybe that's your job, but maybe that's you as the comedian. Well, yeah, I mean, there's only so much they can do too. Like people walk away and go, yeah, he was right, wasn't he? And then go home and forget about it. Yeah. I don't see that as my job anyway. I'm not a political comedian. Yeah. But there are some great ones and the likes of, like Tom Ballard's new show I think is excellent and those guys have a good platform to do that. TV show tonight. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I concur. It's great. And... To put that out every night in itself is a fucking achievement. That's real hard. And they got, they've got ABC money, a fairly small team from what I can yeah, gather. A- ABC, let me just explain to people, ABC money is, oh, it's not, a compliment. is not a lot. No, no, no. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> not a lot of money. So, yeah, to put out, what is it, half an hour, 40 minutes? Every night. Every night? A- every night. It's incredible yeah. in, in itself. And to have a show that's quite good like that is People crazy. have been trying to get that kind of show up for years. I know. I just think they get a chance because there must be... I haven't, I haven't looked, but I assume there's a shit ton of haters. But there's and oh. people hate. People just love to hate shit. And yeah, that's that's how it goes. But oh, he's come from Triple J. There was a, like a live feed of hate that used to go down his TV screen. Yeah, on, on the radio, as you know, like you yeah. just get people texting in saying, you know, how come you're not dead? All that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not. Yeah. Like that, you know, you must have seen that. There's heaps of yeah, it's accessible to hate. You don't have to you don't have to pen a letter anymore. Do no. You? So. You don't have to get the piece like, oh, I'm so mad about this. Hang yeah. on, let me just get my Smith Corona off the shelf. Yeah. Let me just pull the clips. All right, where's that paper? All right, here it is. Let me just. All right, dear yeah. Daily MI8. Fuck! New paper. Yeah. New paper. It's, uh, type, 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 simple. type. Fold it up. Put it in an envelope. Write another letter on yeah. it. Spend forty five cents or whatever it cost to put a stamp on it back then. Put that. Walk down the mailbox and angrily put it in the slot. Yeah. Yeah. Not happening. Who's, who had the energy for that even then? Uh, Alan Jones listeners. <laughs> but now you're right. The pathway the pathway to vitriol is just like... Oh, super easy. I mean, I was on that. Uh, that. This is probably a testament to how few people watched it or lasted till 
10.30 or whenever I was on the gala the other night on ABC. The Melbourne I International didn't... Comedy Festival gala. Yes. Available now on TM. Yeah. I didn't get any hate from that, and I should have. There'll be some probably today. I haven't, I haven't logged. I haven't booted up yet today. But when people watch stuff, there's, there's hate. doesn't matter what you do. And it's impossible to tell what they're going to hate you for. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't think. But then when they do start hating you, ah, oh, that's where they've found their angle for disliking what I said here. Like, it's, it's amazing. I get more and more that the us as a society, well, at least in Western society, because I saw it happen in America too, um, our resilience for having our opinions challenged seems to have, or our resilience for allowing another person to express their opinion yeah. and not feel that it invalidates ours is vanishing. Do you think, do you think it's always been like that and you just didn't, didn't have a platform to say, I hate you because you said this? Or, like, it is actually vanishing, the ability to... I can only think about, from my own perspective, I... Well, I, I think I think the ability to, to say something about it has certainly made it feel a little more real. Yeah. I remember early on when I started working at Channel V and I started... What was the particular... Well, it was, no, it was One Nation, when One Nation was starting it, like yeah. 95, 96 in Queensland. Yeah. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that. But you voiced this on air. No, I didn't. No, no just like... Okay. Sitting at home watching this, these people say these things, just maybe just go like, man, that's just that's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. I don't feel the world is ending, but that's horrible. Yeah. But now having these people come on television, and I think she's putting out a book today, having these people come on television and say these things, um, that it just gets amplified so much by this same mechanism that allows us to complain about it, does make me feel like oh. Fuck. Like I'm almost being crushed overwhelmingly. Yeah. It's no longer one person's voice. It's thousands and thousands of voices joining in chorus. Yeah, yeah. And it but does make me feel like a lot more. But it exacerbates itself too. Like the, the world I live in now in the, if you can call it an industry, entertainment industry in Australia, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a race to the left for a lot of these people. And they are, if you're a bit of a contrarian, you're like, oh, fucking hell, man, how... How offended can you claim to be over a joke about this? Come on, grow up. And then that creates other people from the other side going, yeah, grow up, you dickhead, and you go, hang on, I wasn't trying to get your support for this, you're a dickhead anyway. And then, and it just becomes dickheads just jumping in and just getting outraged. It's yeah. insane. The race to outrage, it seems like it's almost we have this uh – I've heard it described that there's people just wait on the start line with the engine revving. Oh, yeah. Just waiting it's the same to go. concept as when, you know, when someone used to, someone die, like a Michael Jackson would die, and then you see a joke about it two minutes later, you go, fuck, he must have been sitting on that because that's a beauty, and that's just there within two minutes yeah. of his death. You think, oh, you must have been sitting on that for years. You go, oh, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Yeah. And just waiting for him, for, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's instant. Yes, yeah. it's, it's so funny that that's the case. Yeah, but that that there's a that there must be something that is within us that just relishes in this idea of righteous anger. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder what the deep down motive for that is. I couldn't give a shit if people think I'm outraged over something. Like it's just weird. It's a weird concept. Yeah. To want to do. Having said that, with the death thing, my um my only use for Twitter now, and I don't often get on it but is to get, put out an RIP and then follow it with a link to my tickets. 
Because that's the other thing that I've always found enjoyable is people go, oh, this, this person meant so much to me. And sometimes it's true. Yeah. But often it's like I want to affiliate myself with this celebrity death and say how much I've been crying all night and stuff. So I do that and then put, by the way, tickets to my Brisbane shows on. And, and this is, it's become a habit and I try to, like I don't, I don't keep an eye on the news, but when I hear about a, you know, Hugh Hefner or something who's dead, it's like, oh, RIP here, gone too soon. Um, <laughs> My Melbourne show starts this week. <laughs> Ticket link here, and and some people have gotten not not many. I don't have a following, but yeah. it's uh, people go. Oh, couldn't you have done that in two? You prick! You know, really insensitive. <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't. Sorry, there's only this many characters here. <laughs> um, it's become a, a bit of a joke. There's only other comedians who think it's funny, but no one else. Everyone else just misses the point, or or you know, I don't know. Maybe they get it. I find it very funny. I just so, I wonder what we could do, though, you know, what, what we could get done if we weren't so busy spending so much time getting upset about stuff. Yeah, I don't know. If we kept our eyes on the prize a bit, you yeah. know, if we kind of went, all right, okay, yes. Heaps of stuff. Exactly, yes. He calls himself a lady's name and, you know, goes into the toilets but does still pee standing up, but that's fine. Let's just talk about this important thing yeah. over here. Yeah. That thing isn't going to affect us all. This thing is, let's, yes, I appreciate that. Yes, we'll talk about bathroom signs later. <laughs> you yeah. that, that particular subject is very funny. Like just, the, just that people can get outraged at that. Like they actually think someone's committed enough to, to go through or to start a transition just so they can go into the women's toilets and perv. You think that's, I mean, that's commitment to yeah. being a pervert. If that's what you think they're doing, yes, at least tip your hat to their commitment before you get outraged that you think a man is doing all that to turn himself into a woman just so he can go in the women's toilets. It's fucking insane. <laughs> it's just people haven't thought it through, really. No, not at all. Tell me about um, you had a, a great amount of success at Tropfest recently. How did oh, that yeah. happen? Two young dudes who are fans of comedy on the Sydney scene found myself and Cassie Workman and uh, just said, oh, do you guys want to you lot want to do some jokes? And we animate them and make it into a little thing. So straight in. It was great. They're very proactive. Turned out pretty well. Looked nice. It's no real – they're having – they're trying to get it up now with – I don't know how they're going, but we're going to try and make some more. But uh, – there was no, it was only a seven minute, like a sizzle sort of thing. So it wasn't a film as such, and there's no storyline, but that'd come later if we managed to yeah. make a series. But so, uh, yeah, it, it was came great. second at Tropfest. Like, yes. Don't, yeah, don't that was cool. Decryers. And apparently went really well on the night. Everyone liked it. Yeah. And it's funny. So it's just meant to be funny. It's no, yeah. no real point or anything. But it's just our stand up. Like Cassie Workman is a fucking superb writer, and it's her stand up and my stand up. And just. You know, sitting in a bar, I'm a cockroach. She's a ladybug. And uh She's a bartender. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Just sort of musing on how shit life is, in a way. <laughs> but um I've when I was watching it back, I th- forgot how sort of because it's just the same way that I would deliver a joke on stage, but because there's no me there, it's a cockroach. It looks to me maybe I look like this on stage, but it just looks a lot angrier. I'm just pissed off about things. And I'm sure I do come across like that, but I don't see myself like that. So it's, well, it's different. I struggle sometimes when I watch you doing stand-up. Yeah? Yeah, I do. 
Why? Because I know you to be a, a kind, a gentle, highly educated, bilingual, you know, world-travelled, yeah. wide, broad-thinking man of the world. And then? You get on stage. <laughs> and, um, if people didn't know that about you, the first five or ten minutes before you drop a little, a few little clues in, yeah. you drop a little word or two. That's where it's nice having my audience who do who do see that or yeah. who wait to the end and I'm outside shaking hands and not being a prick. Yeah. But, the, you know, I don't know. It's... It's it's the same as the outrage thing. It's, it's if people don't know you, yeah, of course they just think I'm some oaf up there swearing and being a dickhead. Yeah, but um, but initially when I first started watching you do stand up, I, I, it was a bit hard. Yeah, right. I was like, wow, fuck, he's really angry. <laughs> fuck, he's never this angry. <laughs> fuck, he hasn't been this angry since I beat him at Scrabble. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like you said, but then that's the great, that's the overarching arc of your entire set. Is that, or for me at least, is that you start with this particular persona and then slowly over the course of the hour or, or the set, yeah, you kind of unpack it and then you know you kind of slowly open the kimono, yeah. And people go, oh right, now he's going to, you know, pay off a joke from forty five minutes ago by playing a mandolin and singing in French, yeah. <laughs> well, there's also like people should, if they're going to persevere, and that's where people with a bit more experience and who are over 30 and, you know, aren't thinking, oh, shit, I wish I had my phone out sort of thing. If they if they persevere, maybe they'll appreciate, yeah. you know. But, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely take a hit the first 10, 15 minutes of a show and it could be some great jokes in there. But if they're not your crowd, you know, it's pretty fucking tough. Yeah. But generally now at festivals it is my crowd. At least half the people there have seen me before somewhere and I yeah, don't also- know why the other half are there. Like, I just don't know. What they're doing there? <laughs> if they've wandered in aimlessly, or who knows? <laughs> Seeing you though as a cockroach on a jet ski in a sewer was oh, pretty yeah. great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> they did it. They did such a great job. The dudes who made it just taught themselves animation and just made it, and it's great. But isn't that, isn't that something? They they had this idea of this is what we want to do. Mm, we don't know how to do the thing we want to do. Let's learn it so we can do the thing. Yeah, we I think that's do. great. That's where. The youth are good, I think. They're far more proactive. Yeah. If I try to teach myself something like that, no chance. Yeah? Nah. That's far. What was the last thing you learned how to do as an adult? Um, probably play mandolin in the last few years. Yeah. But I was still not good at that. But that's a, that's the thing with your hands, I suppose. I mean, I'm talking about, like, computers, I'm shit out at. Always have been. It doesn't interest me. <clears throat> but to just the frustration involved, like, I would, I would throw that through the window. A computer. If I tried to learn that, it's just foreign world to me. That shit. How hard can it be? You're just writing an email. It's, You're just typing shit. Oh, writing an email's fine, but learning animation. Oh fuck no! But, you know, that's insane. No, learning massive software programs like that. Yeah, no. that's. I would punch things <laughs> without a doubt. I'm not violent, but that really frustrates me. That shit. I, you know, There's... I try to put something on my phone. I've nearly just skimmed it into the ocean just because I can't. <laughs> Figure out how to get the fucking app on there or something, or something's happened. You know, I I can't deal with that. There really, there's a really, there's a window in your life where you're like, I can dedicate eight hours a day to figuring this out. Yeah, yeah. That window's only just cracked open at the moment. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've there's things I need to learn how to do more. 
I need to, you know, and I've, I've noticed there's some skills that I, particularly when it comes like, I've got a lot of work to do as far as cognitively processing things and kind of relearning how to do things and how to think about things. Cause I, I, I do tend to still process the world as an angry teenager. Yeah. So I've got a fair bit of work to do. So every morning these books here, I'd sit down and I'd write shit out and I'd, you know, do stuff. And yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I have, but it's fucked because it's hard work. Oh man, it's hard learning But I've got to do it. Yeah. I mean, I learned, I, I'd done a bit of study as an adult. That's tough like TAFE courses and various things I've wanted to do. And it's real hard to do. Like the actual content is easy, but just the the aspect of having to learn something, having to do things that frustrate you, that's it's harder to do. Now. I, I, I kind of toy with the idea of maybe I'd go to university, maybe I'd go into that. But if I was to university, I'd probably have to learn how to use Excel or something just yeah. so I could do a report. Nah, too hard. Yeah. <laughs> pay someone to do it like it, it, you know that sort of shit i don't want to learn excel i don't care <laughs> it's, it's the worst if i had time to do that i'd be doing something more practical audrey's very good at all that stuff i she did i think she did a bit of time well there um, you go in the office why do you need to ever do it then <laughs> <laughs> a delegation yeah well you know mutual help like you could be you could be washing up while she's doing your excel report for you for my university or you'd be cooking dinner and say, hey, can you please just do this? For my imaginary for, university degree. Yeah. <laughs> What's to stop you making up your own university degree these days? We can make up our own university. We just had to have a fancy website. Yep. You pay someone in India to make it. Certificates, they can get printed up. How good are they? I know. In fact, we know someone who, uh, I won't say their name. Uh, we know someone who got a a, a bachelor's degree. Oh yeah, printed up so they could right. a, they could attend a um, postgraduate writing course. Right in um, New York City. Yep. Yep. Great. And it was all everything was great. In they the, got. <laughs> but the thing is, if you like, if you're not going to use that qualification and and defraud a future employer by saying I've got this, this is amazing. If you are actually there to learn, yeah. And that's the end game. I yeah. wouldn't see that as fraud. It's not putting think, it you know on the wall and writing the word doctor in front of yeah. you. Know, <laughs> yes. And then going down to the chemist. The stakes are a bit higher there. Yeah, buying a few but, packs of Band-Aids and going, oh, but I'm a doctor. Obviously, yeah. I've got all the Band-Aids here. Yeah. In I go. Here, let me diagnose you. Here, you know, let I, me... I see that as low stakes dishonesty. <laughs> getting a, um, well, just getting a, writing, a postgraduate writing thing, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the last time that I was... I was talking to my brother uh, about this the other day. You know, I can't. I don't know where. Like, would you say you have a, a fairly strong moral compass, Luke? No, because your next sentence will probably debunk that. If I you say, well, what about <laughs> the time when you bloody did this? No, uh, no, not at all. No, <laughs> no I'm very, very fearful of setting myself up as a hypocrite. So, I, on a basic level, yes, I do. Yeah. But then, you know, I don't know. I probably lie a lot. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Like I, no, I, I try to. Now I've got kids, I try to make sure everything's above board. Yeah. But then, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but there's probably something recently I've done that's immoral. <laughs> I don't know. Nah, you, you, struck, you struck me as a fairly... <coughs> hey, Frank. Sorry, the dog's just... Oi. That's all right. Guarding the place. Well, he thinks he is. Yeah. He, he's Classic little man behaviour. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. He really, he's not even. He's not even getting up. He's lying on oh, his right, side. Yeah. He's probably delegating to you. 
<laughs> mate, this, what, this, like, could, this could be something here, mate. <laughs> you might want to look out for this, you little fucker. Frankie, good boy. Come here. Come here, mate. Oh, sorry. Did I make you get up? Oh, I'm sorry. Now you don't know what you're doing because you're half asleep and you're walking towards me. Where's your thing? Where is your thing? You don't even know. He's going walking today. He's got a... Uh, what? Well, he... Because he only spends around with us when he only hangs around with us. Yeah. He absorbs a lot of human vibe. Yeah. Right. All right? So then when he's around other dogs, he fucking freaks out. Yeah, okay. So we send him on walks with um, a pack of dogs. Yeah. Um, how, how big is a pack? Like how, how many are you allowed to have? If you're a dog walker, can you, you can only have four or five. Yeah, it's only four, yeah. Four. It's, not, it's not like the old days. Four max. Yeah, four max. It's not like the old days where you just what fill you a van full of 20 and just yeah. open the back doors. and yeah. <laughs> It's not like that anymore. Yeah. Nah. Are there still dog catchers or is that a thing of yesteryear? I saw, just as you were arriving at our house today, I was around the corner with the dog. He was uh, he likes to go and shit on the neighbour's lawn. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, it's great. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a, a council ranger. Yeah. And I saw the council ranger had gloves on and I was just approaching and the council ranger, um, uh, I saw the council ranger bend over. Yeah. And then I saw the in the middle of the street. And I saw the council ranger stand up and in his left hand held a bag and in that bag there was most definitely the carcass of something mammalian. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, so like someone's lost cat or lost dog. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know. But do you think he's just like doing a good deed? He's just giving out parking tickets and he goes, oh, hang on. There's no, I think he's there. the dead animal come and get me guy. Right. Call this number. If there's a there's a dead cat or dead dog in the street, I don't know if I mean that's a fairly easy catching job for a dog catcher. Yeah, because it's so. not running away from you. Yeah, uh, more disgusting. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not quite the same. As I remember when we we grew up in the same suburb, I, I remember just like dogs just roaming. Oh I'll, yeah, absolutely around the streets. It was yeah totally fine. Pre microchip too. If they didn't have that little rego. No, or collars. This is, yeah. As a kid coming home on your bike, oh, I was terrified. Yeah. Because they would oh, yeah. chase and bark. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking scary. Yeah. It was fucking scary. We had a dog down the street. It was a Rottweiler. We called it Cujo. Yeah. After the horror film yeah. about a Rottweiler of the same name. It was very scary. Yeah. Oh, there, were, there was a bunch. I used to deliver junk mail around that very area, and it was terrifying. You knew where they all were, and you go, oh. I'll go up this dead end, I'm fucked. Like yeah. You just, you know, try to sneak, run. But, yeah, they, they Some get of these pamphlets There's, are going in a someone's wheelie bin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of strong moral compasses, I would rather not be eaten by a rampant neighbourhood dog. But I, I wonder, though, you know, we as a, in our lifetime, we've gone from, no, it's totally fine to have giant, aggressive breeds of dogs running around suburbs with kids in it, yeah. uh, off-leash, just totally. I used to get bitten. I'd probably be bitten once or twice a year doing that job. And oh, it was just foreign to me that you could get a dog killed for that. Like, I probably would have loved that. Okay, yeah, kill him. He bit me. But, you know, yeah. now it's pretty much automatic. Yeah, but in dog a lifetime... A kid. In a lifetime, we've gone from that of being outraged, how dare you want to restrict my dogs, yeah, whatever, to, oh, yeah, of course, we really can't have gigantic staffies that are built to kill yeah. roaming the streets where children are. Yeah. It's okay. got good, good and bad aspects to it. Like, it's good. And it's good that people are picking up dog shit too now. 
Well, that used to be a nightmare. Yeah. But the bad part is, you know, you don't, you know, see a friendly dog anymore going down the butcher by himself, get a treat and, you know. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You used to be able to go and pat them and stuff. Now, pulling your kids away because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, oh, my kids go and pat dogs. I don't care. Yeah. But if you see a big, scary-looking one, you're like, oof, you know, take it easy. <laughs> Any pets coming to the Heggy household, do you think? Nah. Us, maybe. I don't know. It's a it's a debate. Yeah. But we're in a rental and real estate agents aren't the best of people generally. And if you if you like we got we got permission if we want to get a dog. But um we're reticent to do it because if we get kicked out of this place, it's hard to find a place once you've got a dog. Which is ridiculous because you know, people who've got dogs don't want to move, they pay the rent, they stay. But it's still they think dogs are going to get crayons and get on the wall and shit. Like, well, they think the dog's going to shit on the floor and you're not going to clean it up. Or I don't know what they think, but dogs do far less damage than people in a place. Absolutely. So I don't know. And people say that's changed, but it's bullshit. It's still at the discretion of a landlord and a yeah. real estate agent. They've got us by the balls. You don't have to go in for the mammal. I mean, you could go in for the fish. Oh, we had a fish. We had one, but he um, committed suicide because the kids didn't feed him for a couple of days. So he jumped out going looking for food. Really? Yeah. How was that conversation with the kids? Uh, Well, they were – it was a few years ago, so they're too young to even realise that yeah. just killed their pet. <laughs> I think there was laughter, actually, as it went down the toilet. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. So, ah, oh, we're not doing that again. <laughs> probably the, it's probably the only, you know, pet that you can dispose of down the toilet. Yeah, I would think so. Is a fish. Like, <laughs> a pet lizard could be the same size as a fish, but it would be weird to flush it. Yeah. Weird in the beginning to own a reptile, I would think. That's a strange thing to have. Funny you mentioned that. I know someone that has an apartment that they used to live in and they rent it out now yeah. and they gave permission to their renters to have an iguana. Yeah, okay. I think that's strange. Like it's Apparently they're quite friendly. Yeah, I'm sure. They're fine, but I don't know. Next level is the snake, I know, but still having a lizard, it's weird to me. I, I prefer a lizard over snake. Oh, f- yeah. Absolutely. Quadruped, I'm okay with. Yeah. Because at least you, uh, I feel a, a But little... if given the chance, they're going to fuck off. Well, that's why they're in fish tanks and stuff. They're not They're not there voluntarily. No. Like a dog, a domesticated... Well, it's domesticated over hundreds of years, but, like, you know, they're, they're going to try and come home because they're your mate sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, the idea of waking up with the python in the bed... Yeah, because you're sizing warm. you up. Like just sort of, <laughs> Hopefully, they won't be sizing you up. But you know, even just that that it's sneaking into bed because yeah, you're warm. Yeah, it's a bit. Well, to want one in the first place to me is a mental illness. It's a weird, yeah, thing to want to have a snake. Yeah, fucking oath. Disgusting. Really bothers you that much? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, people do what they want, but I, I certainly wouldn't want my kids to come home and go. We're getting a snake bird. Yeah, a bit more social, I suppose. But again, caged up. Yeah, given the chance, they'd they'd go. <laughs> yes. So cats, though, as well, given the chance. Yeah, yeah, little snakes, though, aren't they? They'll, They're no good. No, uh, they they have different levels of loyalty. Cats, I find. I've lived yeah. with cats. Yeah, but they also like to kill a lot more than a dog. They do. They, you can't. They're land sharks. They are. 
tiny little land sharks. Yeah. Just killing machines. And selfish. Yeah. Yeah, I had a couple. You you when we lived together, you, they were they were there. Yep. Um Yeah, they're dead now. But that was it did that does always make me think, you know, why do we choose why do we choose pets that live like not live the same lifespan that we do? Yeah, right. Well, well if you're gonna go for that, you're going for exotics. Great like parrot parrots live like eighty years. Yeah. Turtle. Yeah. Turtle. There you go. Galapagos turtle. Now but then that. there's also you don't want to have to leave it to you to someone in your will, like your pet. That's a burden. Yeah, to have an old grumpy, sulphur crested cockatoo. <laughs> leave that to your son. You go, oh, thanks, Dad. Well done. You know good. You know yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a grumpy sulphur. I always there was a house in Kenmore that I used to go to years ago, and it was a cockatoo. They'd rescued it. But it had always been in captivity. It didn't have a cage. It didn't know how to fly. Yeah. So it just stood on a perch. Yeah, right. Just heaps of newspaper underneath it, just covered in shit. Yeah. It made me very sad. Yeah. Our neighbours had one, and just the noise was incredible. This thing would just, it's really unpleasant noise, that. It's not quiet. Oh, terrible. But uh, I don't know. I went to a pet shop not that long ago down the south coast and it was full of exotic stuff. Yeah? Like, yeah, heaps of snakes and lizards and birds that were just beautiful birds. Like, I, I don't know, didn't impress me. What were me. you doing in a pet shop? It was near the place where we were staying, down at Windang, somewhere there. It's a really weird pet shop. But the people in it were more interesting to me than the, the wildlife. Suburban pet shop owner? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. No, no, the punters coming in oh. looking to expand their... Their menagerie. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's the other thing. When you're talking snakes, then you're like, that's a commitment to finding, I don't know. Rats. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Small mice and rats. And like at the pet pet shop down the road here, there's a fridge that has shrink-wrapped packets of embryonic and various levels of growth mice and rats. Oh, really? Yeah. To to feed to reptiles. Oh, okay. Pre-killed. Pre-killed for the for your convenience. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't little know. bloody rat ice block <laughs> on a hot summer's day. No, it's in the fridge. It's in the fridge. So it's oh, not, you don't have to throw it out. Just oh right, gotcha. Straight in. Yeah, yeah that, that's 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 a real you know education in the circle of life to the kids, isn't it? You're not just like handing the kid go feed the dog yeah. and it's like minced up meat. Yeah, like, it's just this kind of weird kind of pinky substance that you're giving. But like, no, here's an animal, and you're going to put it in the mouth of another animal. Yeah. Well, I mean, snake owners far more likely to die than at the hand of their pet. <laughs> Even after twenty years, you hear this: "Oh, it's my snake. I loved it. It loved me." No, it didn't. No, they don't. They're cold-blooded killers. <laughs> Most dogs, even your more vicious types, aren't going to turn on their owner. I know it happens, but far more likely with a snake. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I, I think you'd want to not keep something so deadly. You wouldn't want to keep an anaconda or a constricting python. But that's what. What else? What are they keeping then? Hey, yeah. There's there's pythons that don't kill people. Big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Bull. Not. No. Really. Like eventually they're just going to wrap wrap themselves around your neck and go for it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little like big ones. Yeah. It's yeah. Big enough. It'll do you. <laughs> wonder how many. Uh, I wonder how many cases there are of the python and the cat or the dog coming to a terrible end. I can imagine coming home and finding. Your dog's been squashed. Like, or, or just like finding your, your, your dog up to its hindquarters in your yeah. python's mouth. <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? You're like, ah, wait, you kill both of them? Like, it's already dead. Yeah. That's a grim way to finish a podcast. Where are your tickets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> com. All the links are all the links are there. What's the venue? Um, a venue is the Mantra Hotel in Melbourne, and then the Factory Theatre Sydney, and the State Theatre in Perth. All oh, right, so yeah, I'm, I'm on the road. On now. the road, yeah. mate. I'm doing Auckland too at oh, the rad. basement studio for your New Zealand listeners. There, yeah, I've sold one ticket in Auckland. Let's see if see we can't double he that, Heggy. I want to see who he is. Yeah, hundred percent. How do you know it's a he? Uh, one ticket to a con, just one. It's a he. There's, I don't want to profile here, but uh, that's a he. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I could, definitely. That's, that's, <laughs> have you ever met a woman who buy just one ticket to a comedy show by herself? There you go. I have not yet. Yes. Well, yeah, you won't. <laughs> it'll be, I'll tell you who it'll be. It'll be some sweaty 20-year-old who wants to get into comedy. That's who it'll be, and I'll have a chat with him after. <laughs> and that's that's who it's going to be. What will his name be? Uh, something like Dylan, you know, like a yeah. <laughs> I wish you and Dylan a great afternoon. You're probably <laughs> yeah. out of having a beer with Dylan. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And you'll end up on his podcast. Yeah, oh, you'll have a podcast, without <laughs> a doubt. <laughs> He'll want me to be in his short film or something. That's <laughs> you never know. You might research. win New Zealand's version of Trot Fest. <laughs> Thanks for coming around, man. Oh, thanks for having me. I look forward to the... Uh, it was good, you know, normally when we see each other, we ride bikes and play Scrabble. I'm grateful that we could have a chat. Yeah, nice. This is unreal. Beauty. I don't know how to end it now. All right. See you later. That'll do. That was Luke Heggie. Uh, when you do go to his show, get his tickets, lukeheggy.com. When you do go to the Luke Heggie show, have a listen out to the voiceover guy who does his intro. He's pretty good, I reckon. Like I said, tickets to his shows are at lukeheggie.com. A big thank you to Andy Marr, my producer, who made this show on Easter weekend. If you have a podcast and you need a producer, you need Andy Marr, A-N-D-Y-M-A-H-E-R, andymarr.com for all your production needs. Uh, also, very much to Hayley Van Spani, my show producer, and Toe Hider for the music. Let me just check that andymarr.com is his bloody URL, because if it's not, I've given you a bum steer. Um, come on, load up. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, go get Andy to do your stuff. And a big thank you to Toe Hider for the music. Yeah, Toe Hider did some new music. I hope you like it. Thank you so much for listening. Love you that you're listening wherever you are in the country, whatever you're doing while you're listening to this, wherever you are in the world. Stay safe. Have a great time. And I'll talk to you next week. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.